You know, there's something within us that likes to restore, that likes to leave things a little better than the way we found them. Every restoration has its set of challenges, but there's no job God can't handle, and He longs to give you new life. We serve a God who wants to restore all of us to that place that we fell from long, long ago. Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. Everyone likes to see things restored, and today, Robert Quintana shares how God can restore you as he begins a new series, A Perfect Restoration. I have had the joy Uh, These last few days to spend with my family. My mom is visiting from Florida and my niece and her son and my sister's son, my nephew, is also here. And it is always so much fun to spend time with family that you enjoy spending time with. (laughs) And so, of course, you know, as a good steward of this region. I took her to Antietam Battlefield. Um, I also took her to D.C. where we got to see some of the memorials. Uh, The Lincoln's her favorite. And then um, yesterday I took her to Mount Vernon. Uh, For those of you that don't know Mount Vernon, a little hard to believe if you live in this area, if you don't know what Mount Vernon is, but Mount Vernon is where George Washington's mansion still stands. And it is where George Washington, our first president, is buried. With Martha, his wife, and and some of his family, they're buried there. One disappointing thing about our trip, though, to Mount Vernon yesterday was that the side of the mansion that faces the river, the Potomac River, um, you could hardly see because it was all full of scaffolding. They were restoring that side of the mansion. And so you really couldn't see it, and it made it a little difficult to take a picture that, you know, you'd be willing to take and, and share. And it was a little disappointing. Uh, but I asked one of the rangers there, I said, how often do you restore the outside, the exterior of the mansion? And I was shocked. I thought he would say, you know, 10, 15 years. He said, oh, about every five to six years they restore the outside of the mansion. I said, whoa. Whoa. I mean, that's often, that's a lot of maintenance. But you know, when you have something that you treasure, when you have something that you love, that you care for, you maintain it and you restore it as often as you can. You know, there's something within us that likes to restore, that likes to leave things a little better than the way we found them. Any man here have a car in their garage that they restored or that they're hoping to restore someday? I don't know what it is, but I look forward to the day when I have the luxury of doing that. Have, and I know the, the exact car that I want to restore. I know exactly the car. It is a 1985 Toyota 4Runner. Kind of random. You thought I was going to say like a 67 Chevy or, you know, a a Vet or a Mustang. No, I want to restore an 85 Toyota 4Runner. It's the first full year production year of the Toyota 4Runner. That's what I want to restore. But, But there's something within us that wants to restore, that wants to make things better. Now, you ladies aren't left out here because you like to restore things too. It just comes maybe by changing the paint 
in the house or maybe changing the flooring. We need to make this place look better. We need to restore it. We need to bring it to look the best that it can look. And there is something within all of us that wants to restore, that wants to make things look good. I want to share with you today that we serve a God who longs and desires to restore what he loves, what he cares for most. We serve a God who wants to restore you. We serve a God that wants to restore me. We serve a God who wants to restore all of us to that place that we fell from long, long ago. You might remember it in the Garden of Eden. He created this perfect environment for Adam and Eve and the human race. And unfortunately, they sinned and they fell off of that pedestal that God had placed them on. And since then, God has been trying to restore the human race. Ever since then, he has been trying to restore the relationship that he once had with his people. In fact, really, that is what the Bible is all about. All the way from Genesis to Revelation, it is a collection of stories of God trying to teach his people, show his people that I want to restore you. And so in the word of God, we we see the plan of salvation. We see everything that God has gone through in order to restore us back to our original purpose. And this book, a collection of books and letters, is just full of stories of men and women accepting the call to be restored. And unfortunately, there are some stories where individuals or maybe a community or a nation rejected That call to be restored. But today there is a call for all of us to be restored. Every one of us here deep down inside longs to be restored. And it it shows itself in all different kinds of ways. And sometimes we, we think that we can be restored outside of God's will. And, and we think that we can do things our own way and this is the way I think I'm going to be restored. But all the while God says, no, 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 no. I have a plan for your restoration. And so today what I'd like to do is share with you three things that we need to understand in order to allow God to restore us. And so the question that we might all ask is, is there anything that I can do in this restoration process? Is there anything that I can do? Because, okay, God wants to restore us. What's my part? What can I do? And there are several things that we can do to help God restore us. And those are the three things that I want to share with you, three things that you need to understand in order to help God bring the restoration to your life that you seek. And so the first one sounds simple, The first one, maybe you've heard all your life and and maybe you've heard it so many times that it's just one of those things that the pastor says or that the church says or something that I read in brochures all the time. But I need to mention it once again, because in order for God to restore us, we need to understand that God loves you. He desires to restore us because he loves us. 
And I know we hear that all the time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but be restored. We hear it all the time, but it is important, it is imperative that we understand this simple fact that God loves us. You see, because unfortunately... So many of us have grown up in a home or in a society or in our culture where we think of God as this tyrant out there just looking, waiting for you to mess up so that he can punish you. And so we walk in fear of this God and and we say, man, you know, I really want to be restored, but I'm not sure that this is the God I want restoring me. And so you need to understand that God loves you. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. It says this, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. What kind of love? An everlasting love, an unconditional love, a love that does not end, a love that does not quit, a love that just keeps on and keeps on coming, a love that is everlasting. In other words, God loves you yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forevermore, God loves you. You need to understand, folks, that there has never been There isn't right now, and there will never, ever be another you. You are valuable to God. And if God loses you, he loses you for all of eternity. You matter to God. And sometimes we get all caught up and we say, oh, you know, God can't possibly care and love for everyone. No, God loves you with an everlasting love. And God is so big that God can love you independently. He can love you individually from everyone else. God loves you. I understand that there are over 6 billion people in the world. But God loves you as if you were the only person on the planet. God loves you with an everlasting love. I heard someone say it this way once. There is nothing that you can do or say that will make God love you any more or any less than what he loves you right now. (laughs) Jesus tells us, if you who are sinful know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will this God know how to give you good gifts? How much more will this God love you if you love your children, you who are sinful? How about me? God says, I'm perfect. You know, I I invented love. And so if you want to be restored, which I, I would bet every one of us here would raise their hands and say, yeah, there's a part of my life that wants to be restored, maybe my whole life, I want everything around me to be restored, God. If we want to be restored, we need to understand God loves us. The second thing that we need to understand is this this concept of surrender. Now, see, that's difficult for us. This is where a lot of us actually get hung up, is this concept of surrender. You see, because God values your choice. And he's not going to take your choice away. It's true. 
God could definitely have a bunch of robots running around controlling their minds, but that's not what God wants. God wants willing people who will love back, who experience this love that he pours out on us. And as a response to that love, we say, man, I want this love. I want to love you back. And so he respects our choice. But then that creates some tension, right? Because as humans who have this ability to reason and to think, and we have this little thing called the will, we have the ability to choose what we want to do or not. And so sometimes when God is out to restore us, the thing that gets in the way is our unwillingness to surrender. And so we need to learn how to surrender. Let me share with you just a couple of passages here that might help you understand this a little bit better. Turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 51. In all of the Psalms, it is David's prayer after he had sinned against God. Psalms chapter 51. In fact, David had just committed murder. He had just committed adultery. He had sinned miserably before God, and David understood something. David understood that if there was any chance for his life to be restored, he needed to do something. He needed to surrender. And so here in Psalms chapter 51, verse 16, he says, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You know, I've sinned miserably, what you want isn't gifts, God. What you want isn't money. I mean, what you want isn't for me to, you know, give more time to the church. I mean, all that could be good and all, but that's not really what you're after because that in of itself isn't going to restore me. He understands what's necessary for restoration to take place. And so that's why he says, verse 16, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. No, the sacrifices of God are a what? Broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. David understood that in order for him to be restored, he needed to have a spirit of surrender, a spirit of humbleness. A spirit that said, God, I don't have it figured out. I am in deep trouble here and I need to be restored. Therefore, I surrender. And now God's going to work on different people in different ways. And God's going to lead every one of us to to certain places in our lives. And, And what he's leading you may be different to where he's leading me or where he's leading you might be different to where he's leading him. But every one of us knows those areas in our lives where God calls us to surrender. And when you reach that juncture in life, you now need to decide, all right, what am I going to do? Am I going to follow the evil dictates of my heart, or am I going to surrender to God's will? I know God loves me and God desires to restore me, but I need to help here in the process because he's not going to take away my ability to choose. He's not going to take away my will. Therefore, I'm here at this juncture, at a crossroads. What am I going to do now? And in whatever area he might be challenging you in, you have a decision. 
Am I going to do things the way the world tells me? Am I going to do things the way I think they should be done? Or am I going to surrender and let God restore me? You know, I want my marriage to be restored. So am I going to continue doing things my way? Or am I going to surrender to what God is asking me to do to extend forgiveness, to extend mercy, to extend grace, to to shut my mouth and hold back, to not get angry. If I want my marriage to be restored, what am I going to do? Am I going to do things the way I have been doing them? Or am I going to surrender to God's will? You know, I'd like for you to go back to the book of Jeremiah because there's an interesting little story there. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 18, where God is trying to get this message across to the people of Israel. Now, now the people of Israel are, are in big trouble here. I mean, there's a lot of restoration that needs to take place. Uh, they've been doing things their own way. They've, been, they've turned their backs on God. And, and they've just been going down the wrong road for a long, long time. And, and God steps in and he says, listen, I love you with an everlasting love. And then he says, I need you. I need you to trust in me. And I need you to surrender. And this is how he gets this message across here in Jeremiah chapter 18. He says, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. And how many of us here today feel as though our lives are just marred? Our lives are not going where they need to go. And it seems like we keep on hitting one brick wall after the next. And and we don't seem to be finding the answers that we seek We don't seem to be finding the love that we're seeking and we just keep on it. And it's just the the rat race and it's just day after day and and nothing feels satisfying. Nothing feels fulfilling. And it, it says here in verse four, it says, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Now, verse five, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel. So now God is speaking here. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. And so he says to Jeremiah, tell the people of Israel that just as this potter was able to transform and restore this lump of clay, I can do the same thing. I can restore you. I can build your life back together. You put your families back together, put your businesses back together. If you would only allow me to mold you. But in order for that to happen, There has to be a spirit of surrender. Because unfortunately, as we read on, the people of Israel did not surrender. And we're going to read it here in just a second. But when we read this, you're going to say, what? Are they crazy? What are they thinking? And how many times do we do what Israel does here in verse 12? And they said, the people of Israel, that is hopeless. So we will walk according to our own plans 
and we will, everyone, obey the dictates of his evil heart. Ah, oh, Israel, please surrender. If you surrender, you'll be restored. We need to understand that if we want to be restored, we need to first acknowledge God's love for us. And secondly, we need to understand this concept of surrender. You know, I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to a beautiful passage found in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It's it's in the New Testament, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. This is wonderful. Being confident of this very thing. Now, what does it mean to be confident? There are some students here that still think they can beat me in basketball. They're pretty confident of that. I got to admit, the older I get, the the more I feel they're right. Being confident. What is Paul telling the church in Philippi to be confident about? Verse 6. Being confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you might complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Is that what it says? Wait, wait, wait. He who begun a good work in you, there's a strong possibility that he will complete it. What's it say, my friends? That he will. That he will complete it. He will finish it. It is important for us to understand that in this restoration process because all too often we get discouraged, we get depressed, we think, oh, it's never going to happen. And, and the devil speaks into our ear and says, you know, he's given up on you. He doesn't care anymore. Listen, listen. The Bible tells us that God, what? Will finish the work that he has started in you. And you are here today because he has started a work in you. That's right. It may be small, maybe big, I don't know, but you're here today. You're listening to my voice on the radio because he has started a work in you. And you need to understand that he will finish that work in you. And so when you fall, when you fail, when you go against God's plans and you think, what was I doing? And you realize that despite that, God loves you. And, and you realize that, that I can turn around, I, I can still surrender and ask for forgiveness and say, God, I am sorry, just like David did. You can know with confidence that God will finish the work which he's has started. You know, there's an artist in town. His name's Gavin. A, a very good artist. I mean, he is phenomenal. And, and one of the things that, that he does is that churches in the area, in this region, they commission him to restore statues that have either because of weather um, or because of vandalism, maybe a nose has broken off or fallen off or maybe some fingers. And they will give him this statue and say, can you restore this statue? And so he'll take that statue. And I was over his house one time when he showed me one of his finished works. And, and there he had a picture of what the statue looked before. And, and then he had a picture of, of what he had done with it. And I looked and I looked and I could not see a crease I could not see where that nose had fallen off. He had done just a masterful job 
restoring that statue. My friends, do you realize that we serve the master of all restoration? Does it matter where you are in life right now? It doesn't matter in what condition you might think you're in. God can take anything, anyone, anywhere and restore them. We need to understand that God loves us. We need to understand that that we need to practice surrender. Whenever we're faced with that decision, we need to surrender. We need to understand that God will finish the work that he has started. He never leaves a job unfinished. In the next coming weeks, we're going to talk about restoration. We're going to talk about how God restores. We're going to talk about areas in life like health, whether it's mentally or spiritually. We're going to talk about relationships and areas in life where we long for restoration. We're going to, we're going to learn some basic biblical truths about restoration. But through the coming days and weeks, this is the soundtrack that I want running in your mind. God, restore me. That that is the soundtrack that I want playing in the back of your mind is God, restore me. Just just restore me to, to your purpose, to your ideal. God, restore me. Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at fredericksdachurch.org. God longs to make you whole, to restore you completely. Next week, we hope you can join us as Robert Quintana shares the next part of this series, A Perfect Restoration, by showing how that restoration process can begin now. Also, if you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at fredericksdachurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.